Hey, welcome to Girl Power Hour. Actually, it's going to be probably a little over an hour today, but this is our old-time radio Halloween special. It's been a lot of fun going through all these old radio programs. I have to admit, I've enjoyed every minute of it. And I picked out two that are actually classics, and they come from the Inner Sanctum Mysteries. And that was a program that was started in the 40s, the early 40s. It had all kinds of stories, mysteries, suspense, terror. And the host of the show is wonderful. His name was Raymond Edward Johnson. And he would do these really funny puns and jokes. And he had a very... um, cool ending to the show and so listen to each one and um, see if you can pick it out it was kind of a fun ending they had a creaking door that opened and closed each of the shows and I wanted to share this uh, I know it's on the website but I wanted to share it on the program they the, the the people who were directing it wanted a creaking door for the opening and the closing and they tried a regular door. It didn't work. It didn't creak like they wanted it to. So they found an old rusty desk chair, and they would sit in it and turn it and creak it, and that was the sound that the door made. They became very inventive and creative with the sound effects that they used on these programs. So if you ever have a chance to look things up and how they did things in early radio You really need to do that. It's a lot of fun. And listen to some of these. I I put a a link to the library that I went to to get these programs and just listen to them. They are great fun. Get the kids to listen to them. My goodness, let them know what it was like way back in the 40s and and what types of programs they had. It was just a great time. People would bring their kids around and they would listen to their favorite programs every week. So these programs are from the Inner Sanctum Mysteries. The first one is a classic, Telltale Heart. And what makes this one so special is Boris Karloff is the main character in this particular story. And his, his voice is very recognizable when you hear it. Now, I just did, wanted to let you know that the old radio programs, when you hear them, there's going to be crackling noises. It's not going to be crisp and clear, but they're still very, you can hear them very well. So I want to start this first program, The Tale, Tell Heart, and listen for Boris Karloff. Here we go. Boris Karloff on Inner Sanctum Mystery. Brought to you by the makers of Carter's Pills. Good evening, friends. And let me welcome you once more to the Inner Sanctum. This is Raymond, your host. Come in, won't you, and sit down? No, no, I'm not being polite. I'd prefer you to sit, you see. Because within the next five minutes, you're going to be so weak in the knees that you won't be able to stand. 
<laughs> Inner Sanctum Mysteries again has the pleasure of bringing you the famous star of radio, screen, and stage, now featured in the current Broadway success, Arsenic and Old Lace, Boris Karloff. This evening, Mr. Karloff appears in Robert Newman's dramatization of Edgar Allan Poe's famous story, The Telltale Heart. Presented for your entertainment by the makers of Carter's Little Liver Pill, the best friend to your sunny disposition. And now our story. A story based on a tale by the greatest master of the macabre that ever lived, Edgar Allan Poe. The story of a man who could hear not only every sound on earth, but... Uh, even things that don't exist. So, turn down the lights, call in a friend or neighbor to keep you company, and listen to Boris Karloff as Simon in a telltale heart. It's early evening. The sun is just setting behind a range of low hills. On top of the nearest hill is a huge rambling building surrounded by park-like grounds a road winds from its gates down to the little village below. Down this road comes a man. He's tall, gaunt, his hair snow white. He's so busy with his thoughts that he doesn't see the small dark man who sits by the roadside. But just as he is about to pass him... Good evening. Huh? Oh, why, good evening. Nice evening, isn't it? Nice? Why, it's the most wonderful, perfect evening... I'll never know this side of heaven. You don't say. And you can't know what it's like to feel as if you've just risen from the dead. As if your tomb was opened. And you were told that you could return to the world that you knew and loved. Can't I? You can't. You see, my name is Simon. I was a musician. Two years ago, I went stone deaf. Suddenly. Completely. Do you know what deafness means to a musician? It's like dying. Or worse, like dying and knowing that you're dead. Oh, I went to doctors, but they could do nothing for me. And, but finally, one of them sent me to see the doctor who has the place up on the hill here. Dr. Adair? Yes, Dr. Adair. He kept me with him for six months, and now... Now I'm going home again. He cured you? You can hear? Hear? Listen. Listen hard and tell me what you can hear right now. Nothing very much. The wind. Cricket. <laughs> Cricket and the wind. Do you know what I can hear? I can hear the grass growing. The sap rising in the trees. I can hear the stars moving in their courses. I can hear things that no man ever heard before. Now, do you know why I said that this was the most wonderful evening that ever was? Yes, Simon. But I knew why before. You see, I just left the place up on the hill myself. You left there? You mean... When I was taken there, I was blind. Oh, your eyes, yes. I, I hadn't noticed before, but they are strange. Shall we... Walk on together. Simon? Uh, just where did you plan to go? Well, I've been thinking about that for weeks now. 
all the weeks when I couldn't leave my room. I must get used to being able to hear again, gradually. From my window, I could see an old mill just this side of the village. Yes, it's, it's deep in the woods, deserted. There's moss on the water wheel, and the door hangs open by one hinge. You mean that, that you can see it from here? My eyes have become as good as your hearing. You thought of going there, living there? For a while, until I was ready to return to the world. Oliver, why don't you come with me? Then when we are both ready, we can go back together to the world. Yes, I could do that. Think of what it's going to mean, how much we're going to be able to help people. You with your sight and I with my hearing. Help them? <laughs> Yes. Yes, of course. All right, Simon. We'll go to your old mill. This way, Oliver. Up this path. What? Someone's coming. Farmer, he, he seems to be looking for something. Good evening. I'm looking for my cow. Have you seen her? Well, what kind of a cow is she? A brown and a white one with a crooked horn. Wait. I hear her. She's grazing in a field on the other side of the woods. Hear her? That's almost a mile from here. I have good ears. Good? You must have ears like a fox. But that field, that's the squire's. How did she get there? You think someone took her? Who would? Well, it's the squire's land, but he's the richest man around here. Why should he have taken my cow? Wait a minute. Ah, let me see. Yes. Yes, I do see someone with your cow. He's just leaving her. You, you can see that? Right through the woods? I have good eyes. Who is it? What's he like? Is he tall, wearing a brown jacket? Yes. I knew it. It's the squire. He's trying to steal my cow. I'd better go get her. Thank you very much. Perhaps I'll see you both again. Perhaps. We'll both be staying around here for a while there in the old mill. Why did you tell him that, Oliver? Did you really see the squire taking his cow? I saw what he wanted me to see. What do you mean? He hates the squire because the squire's rich and he's poor. But, but what? Never mind, Simon. Shall we go on to the mill? <laughs> Here we are, and it's just the way I knew it would be. Quiet, peaceful, no noises, just sound. And even those are dulled by the waterfall. Yes, just the way I knew it would be, too. Dark, dank, the home of the rats and spiders. We'd be happy living here with them. Happy with rats and spiders? Why? Because they're like me. Rats see in the dark. And spiders spin webs. I don't understand you, Oliver. Must you always see the worst, the most evil side of everything? Always. But why? Don't you love people? Don't you think that this is a good world? A good world when I was blind for more than two years? But whose fault was that? What difference does that make? I was blind. And did anyone care that I was? No. Love people? I hate them. But, Oliver, that's wrong. You've no right to hate anyone or anything. What's that? Well, it sounds like wings, like... 
Yes, there it is, there. A swallow. Why, it's frightened, trying to get out. Why, it's beating itself against the wall and... Oh, poor thing, it's, it's hurt itself. Fallen to the ground. I'd better catch it. Is it badly hurt? No, I, I don't think so. Oh, just this one wing. Here, let's see. Perhaps we can uh, put a splint on it, heal it. Do you think so? Here. Here, Oliver. But be gentle. It's still terribly frightened. I will. I will. Oh, Oliver! What are you doing to doing that bird? Doing blood, you... Why, you crushed the swallow, killed it. I so I have. You... You killed it deliberately. You think so? I told you we all have some badness deep inside us. Even you. Here you are ready to believe the worst of me, that I'd wantonly crush a, a harmless little sparrow to death and... Simon. What is it? I... I don't know, but... Uh, something in your face. Something that wasn't there before. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm going up to bed. Simon! Simon, wait! It wasn't he that was blind. It was I, I. Oh, he is bad, evil, clean through. He's like one of the spiders he loves so much, lurking here and spinning cunning webs to catch innocent people in. In my face just now. There was something there. Something that wasn't there before. Death. Why did this have to happen to me? I was so happy just a little while ago. I loved everyone, the whole world. And now, now I have to kill him. And here I am, friend. Raymond, your host in the inner sanctum. Who also loves everyone. So, Simon has decided he must murder his companion. Not because he wants to, but in order to keep him from spreading the hate and evil he seems to love. <laughs> That's a charming idea. But, if Oliver's eyes are as good as he says they are, good enough to see death in Simon's face, how will he be able to do it, hmm? Quite a problem, isn't it? Well, Raymond, everyone has problems. It's the answer that counts. It certainly does, Mr. Hurley, in a mystery drama. Yes, and in a domestic drama, too. If you don't believe it, listen to what Agnes Vale says to her husband at the dinner table. Oh, Bob, you haven't said a word about the cake, and I baked it especially for your birthday. After 30, no one wants to be reminded of birthdays. Oh, that's silly. Besides, a person's only as old as they feel. Well, if that was the case, I'd be about 60. You mean 90. No one could save up the grouch you've gotten only 60 years. If you felt as irritable, low, and out of sorts as I have... I would. Anybody would. So the thing to do is not to feel that way. What can anyone do about it? Very simple, my dear. Try Carter's Little Liver Pills. Right. And when you don't feel good, try Carter's Little Liver Pills. They do the work of calomel but have no calomel in them. For they are simple pills made of vegetable drugs. They wake up the flow of one of our most vital digestive juices. When this vital juice flows at the rate of two pints a day, it helps to digest our food and bring back the glorious feeling that goes with regularity. Then most folks feel like happy days are here again. But be sure you get the genuine Carter's Little Liver Pill. Well, friends, 
Are you sorry I advised you to sit down before? I thought not. You still want me to go on with the story of the telltale heart? Very well. It's a little later that same evening, and Simon is sitting in the upper story of the old deserted mill, waiting, listening. Sleep, Oliver, sleep. Aren't you ever going to sleep? Oh, I know you're lying down. I heard you getting undressed. I even heard the thread snap when you pull that button off your shirt. But you're not asleep yet. I can tell by your breathing, the way your heart's beating. And that's what I must wait for. The time when you're really asleep. When you close those hawk eyes that can see even in the dark. That could read murder in my face when I didn't know it was there myself. Wait a minute. There. Now you're asleep. And now I must go. Easy with the door. Careful. And even more careful going down the stairs. He wakes. No, he can't. He won't wake up. He can't. And, and even if he does, uh, here we are. The door to his room. How shall I do it? Those sacks he's using as a pillow. Shall I pull them out and held them over his face and smothered him? That's it, yes. And then I wouldn't have to touch him. I wouldn't. Who's there? Who's there? There is someone there. I can see you. It's Simon. Yes, it's Simon. What do you want? What are you doing here? I know you've come to kill me. Yes, Oliver. I've come to kill you. Philip, you can't do that. You can't just... Yes, Oliver, I can. And I have to. Oh, please don't struggle like that. I'm stronger than you are. You can't get away from me. You can't. You can't. That noise. Hear it? Your heart. Beating, pounding, driving the blood through your veins. Beating more slowly now. Slower and fainter. Running down like a tired clock. I'm not going to let you go until it's stopped. So don't struggle. Don't struggle, please. Just a few seconds more. Uh, I can hardly hear it now. Just a faint, throbbing murmur. Uh, and now, even that's gone. Yes, it's it stopped. And you're dead. Oliver, listen. I didn't want to do it. I didn't, but I had to. You were only interested in hurting people. That's why I had to do it. And that's why I'm not going to give myself up or confess that I killed you, because I could still help people. You understand, don't you? That's why I must get rid of your body, hide it somewhere. Oh, what am I to do with you? I know. I'll keep you here, tear up the floor and hide you underneath it. Yeah. Let's see now, this, this crowbar. Oh, the 
here. There. That should be big enough. And now, in you go. Goodbye, Oliver. Goodbye. Just put these boards back. Nail them down again with the same rusty nails. And, and it's done. Now I'll spread this dust over the cracks. No one will be able to tell what I've done. No, not even with your eyes. If you could still use them. What's that? A light. A lantern outside. Someone at the door. Maybe Christie's come back again. Yes? Who is it? It's Trent. The constable. The constable? What, what do you want? Oh, nothing much. Thought I'd drop in. Say hello. Come in, constable. Come right in. Thanks. Great time of night to be visiting, but I heard there were strangers living out here, and I thought I might... Why, of course, it's part of your job to investigate strangers, isn't uh-huh. it? In a way. Not that you're a stranger, exactly. What do you mean? Well, you've been around here for some time, haven't you? Up at Dr. Dare's place in the hill, I mean. Oh, yes, yes, of course. I, I just left there this afternoon. Uh-huh. And your friend, where is he? Sleeping? Friend? Why, there's no one here with me. I'm all alone. The doctor said. You mind if I look around? No, of course not. I said I doubt your word or anything like that. Oh, no, don't apologize, Constable. Go right ahead. Well, Constable? There's certainly no sign of anyone else. Well, I told you so. Yes, you did. Now, I'll just sit down here for a minute. My pipe's going. No, no, not there. Don't sit there. Because, uh, well, it, it was just that the floor looked a little rotten right there, and and I was afraid that, oh, I, I guess it's all right. Sure. Strong enough to hold me, anyway. Don't stand here, I tell you. Good heavens. What's that? That's what? That, that sobbing, that noise. Beating away like... I don't hear any noise. But you must, you... Ah, those ears of mine. Sometimes they're too good. It's just your watch ticking. Watch? I haven't got a watch on me. You... You haven't? But then what? Oh, look, Constable, I... I could use a bit of exercise. Suppose I walk you back to the village. Well, that's mighty nice of you. Glad to have your company. But there's no hurry, is there? Just let's sit here for a while. And... I don't want to sit. Constable, will you come now? Now, this minute, if you don't, I'll... I don't know what I'll do. Hey, you have gotten yourself into a state. Anything the matter? Oh, no, no, of course not. It's... Oh, it's just that I get nervous, restless, and... You won't mind if I... If I walk up and down right here, will you? If it'll make you feel any better, go ahead. Thank you. This floor, it, it is noisy, isn't it? Noisy enough. Constable, this... This lever here, I, I've been wondering about it. What's it for, do you know? 
Why, yes. I think it opens the sluice. Starts the mill wheel turning. It does? Then, then let's try it. See if it still works. There. Yeah. Still works all right. Quite a racket, too. Still not loud enough. Constable, by heaven's sake, will you come now and leave here with me? If you don't, I'll go back. Hey, look, look, there's no need to get so excited. Right, if I'm not excited, I'm perfectly calm and quiet. Will you come now, right away? But I told you. I know what you're doing. Sitting there, pretending you haven't heard, making me stay here and listen to it, beating louder and louder and louder. All right, I confess. I killed him. His body is right underneath you, under the floor. I killed him. And that noise you hear is his heart. The beating of his telltale heart. Hello, Dr. Adair. Oh, Constable, hello. Well, did you find them? Yes, Doctor. I'm good. Some of my boys will be bringing the other one, Oliver, along in a little while. Bringing him? Is matter with him? Well, sort of. They were in the old mill by the river. Simon had evidently tried to kill Oliver, but he hadn't done a good job of it. He nailed him up underneath the floor. And uh, when we got him out, he was unconscious. He's still pretty weak. I see. Uh, bring Simon in, will you? Sure. All right, Simon. In here. Yes, Constable. Now, uh, turn him around so that he's facing me. That's it. Well, hello, Simon. Hello, Doctor. Simon, why did you run away from here this afternoon? Run away? I didn't run away. I left. What need was there for me to stay when I was cured? Oh. And, uh, what you did, or rather tried to do to Oliver? Ah, uh, that was wrong. I know it was wrong, but but I had to do it. He was bad, Doctor, bad. He hated everyone, wanted to hurt them, and I couldn't let him. You know, it's strange, Constable. Two men, both mental cases because of a sudden affliction. But while Oliver's blindness made him hate, Simon's deafness filled him with love for all mankind. Deafness? You mean he's deaf? But, but, but when you talk to him, he answers you. Yes, he reads lips. That's why I had you turn him around, so he was facing me. But he's stone deaf. He will never hear again. What's that you'll say? Deaf? But I'm not deaf. Why, there's no one can hear better than I, no one. I heard everything when I left here. Things no man has ever heard before. The song of the swan. The breathing of the fish. Why, I even heard the beating of Oliver's heart. After I'd killed him. Yes, Simon, of course. I'm not deaf, I tell you. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> did hear all the things he said he did, even the beating of the telltale heart, and not with his ears, but with something else deep inside his poor, sick brain. Uh, 
speaking of telltale hearts, oh, I'm sorry, it's not a heart at all. It's just Mr. Hurley. He's knees knocking together. And if you think you're kidding, Raymond, you're crazy. Oh, I'm not kidding, Ed. And Mr. Carlos' audiences, that's the equivalent of applause. Since everyone's generally much too scared to show the usual approval with their hands. So we won't take any chances. We'll just use words and say, thanks, Boris Carlyle, for your splendid performance of tonight's dramatization of Pose the Telltale Heart. It was a pleasure, Raymond, to be able to bring our friends one of the world's most famous stories. And I'm very grateful to Everett Sloan as Oliver and Santos Ortiaga, who played Christie, for the help that they gave me. So now, I suggest that you listen to Ed Hurley, who has some helpful advice for which you may be very grateful. This is Raymond again, your host, getting ready to close that door to the inner sanctum and say goodnight until the same time next week. Uh, In the meantime, if you care to do a little bloodthirsty reading, try this month's inner sanctum novel, I'll Eat You Last, by H.C. Brandon. Uh, In case you've already read that, why not try some of the other stories by the author of tonight's mystery drama, Edgar Allan Poe. According to all critics, this writer has quite a future. Oh, good night. Pleasant dreams. Eater Sanctum Mysteries will be on the air again next Sunday night, same station, same time, with another chiller for thriller fans. So be with us then. This is Ed Hurley, speaking for the makers of Carter's Little Liver Pills and reminding you, when you don't feel good, try Carter's Little Liver Pills, the best friend to your sunny disposition. This is the Blue Network of the National Broadcasting Company. Hey, folks. How did you like the Telltale Heart? Boris Karloff's voice is phenomenal. Uh, that just anytime I hear his voice, that is definitely a mystery, a horror, a suspense show. I love it. And the organ music, love that. Just crazy. So the next show we're going to listen to is Terror by Night. Now this one has been made into um, movies, uh, Sherlock Holmes. And it is definitely a suspenseful mystery um, show. So we're going to start that now and hope you enjoy it. Lipton Tea and Lipton Soup present Inner Sanctum Mysteries. Welcome to the shadowy borderland of the squeaking door, all you hardy adventurers. Into the land of the grisly, ghastly, gruesome, horrid, shocking, and monstrous. <laughs> I mean, in a sanctum. Of course, I assume that we're all old friends here, but if by any chance there's a stranger among us, perhaps I should state the purpose for which we are here assembled. Our object is to make your spine tingle and your hair stand on end. <laughs> That's right. When we're through, you'll discover that a fiend in need is a fiend indeed. <laughs> Heavens, 
stop talking so scary, or folks will tune us off their radios. Oh, Mary, I'm just trying to scare them into the chill so they'll have to drink Lipton tea. <laughs> well, that isn't necessary at all. For a great many years, people have been enjoying Lipton tea without any persuasion from you. That famous Lipton flavor has won the praise of tea experts all over the world. And you know, folks, these experts describe the Lipton flavor by saying that it's brisk. B-R-I-S-K. Now, brisk means that Lipton tea always tastes fresh and, and full-bodied. Yes, tangy and vigorous. Never flat or wishy-washy. That's why I always say you don't know how good tea can be till you know how good Lipton's is. And now, friends, let's go from tea to terror. <laughs> yes, the title of tonight's story is Terror by Night. It's an original radio play by Emil Tepperman. Tell me, have you ever been alone with fear? Alone in the night and frightened? Well, here's Anne Shepard and the role of Linda Dixon to tell us what happened to her. It was a Friday night, and I think I was already a little nervous as I drove north into the mountains. It was the first day of my vacation. I started from the city early enough to arrive before nightfall, but my car was six years old and developed motor trouble. So now I was driving through the night with 50 miles more to go, and I was tired and nervous and irritated. And then I heard that siren in the distance first, I couldn't place it. And then I remember the state prison was somewhere in the vicinity. The siren. That meant... That meant a prisoner had escaped. I reached over and turned on the radio. They were broadcasting an alarm. I repeat, motorists are warned to be on the lookout for Lee Hartley, who escaped from the death cell at state prison at 9.15 p.m. He is 5 foot 10, dark-haired... Regular features, no distinguishing marks. Hartley is a confirmed killer. He is believed to be armed. Beware of Hartley. He would rather kill than eat. I better give you that again. He would rather kill than eat. And that man was loose. I stared ahead at the lonely road spinning toward me through the windshield. It has been established that Hartley was helped to escape from the outside by his sweetheart, Helen Hearn. A red-headed woman just as vicious as Hartley himself. It is thought that Hartley and the Hearn woman may have separated after the escape. All motorists are warned to beware of a dark-haired man and a red-haired woman, alone or together. My hand was shaking a little as I turned off the radio. I looked in the car mirror and shivered. I, too, have red hair. coming up, and I was driving into it, and the night was black, and I felt small and lonely and frightened in the car. <gasps> then I saw them in the mirror, the, the headlights sweeping up behind me, a car. It had come out of nowhere. It was pulling alongside, cutting me off. I cowered behind the wheel and then watched the door of that other car open. A man stepped out. Oh. 
I breathed a sigh of relief. It was a state trooper. Driving all alone, miss? Oh, yes, officer. I'm sorry if I scared you. We're stopping all cars. Where are you heading for, miss? Oh, I'm going up to uh, Seven Lakes Hotel. That's near Carstairs. You see, I, I started out late from the city, and I, I'm having motor trouble. Yeah, sure. Can I see your driver's license, please? My, oh, yes, my driver's license, of course. Here, I've uh, got it somewhere in my purse. I seem to be all fingers. That escaped prisoner, Hartley. How'd you know about him? Oh, well, I, I heard the prison siren. Then it, it came over the radio about Hartley and his red-haired girlfriend. Say, you've got red hair, too. <laughs> well, you don't think I'm that woman. Find that license yet? Well, I, I'm sure it's in here. So many... Oh, here, I've got it. Here, here's my license. Thanks. Hmm. What time did you say you left the city? About five o'clock. Took you a long time to get this far. Well, I told you I had motor trouble. Oh, I'm sure you did. Yeah, okay, Miss Dixon, here's your license. You can go ahead. Thank you. Oh, darn. There it goes again. More motor trouble. Oh, no, it's the same thing the mechanic said it might have. <laughs> there it started. You want to get that fixed first chance you get? Yeah. It's late, though. All the service stations are closed. Yeah, there's one that's open all night about two miles up the road. Oh? You better stop there. Bill Slater's place. He's a good mechanic. Yeah. He'll fix you up. Tell him Joe Nesbitt sent you. Christ, thanks. I will. And listen, Miss Dixon. Yeah. You be careful. Don't stop to give anyone a lift, man nor woman. Oh, don't worry. I won't. <laughs> night closed in on me again, but I didn't feel quite so nervous, knowing that the trooper was somewhere behind me on the road, and Bill Slater's service station ahead. In a few minutes, I saw the lights on the service station. I swung into the open space in front of the pumps, and I stopped. There was a rumbling of thunder in the west. The storm was moving up fast. There was another car, a coupe, parked at the pump. But there wasn't anybody in it. And I didn't see any attendant around either. I pressed the horn button. And no one answered. No one came out of the office. Still no response. Everything seemed so quiet and suddenly ominous. I found myself shivering. I had a curious feeling that Someone was watching me. I've got to get away from here fast. Startled when I work again. It won't start. It won't start. For a long time, I sat behind the wheel, listening. Listening for the sound of footsteps. Stealing up behind the car. There were none. Then I could bear it no longer. I had to get out of the car. I had to see what was in that office. I opened the door of the car and stepped down on the gravel. Anybody in there? No answer. I clenched my fists and stepped inside. Thank <laughs> you. 
there on the floor at my feet lay the body of a man. His mechanic's jumper was stained red with blood. And his throat was cut from ear to ear. How long I stood there, I'll never know. I was petrified, unable to move, unable to take my eyes from the bloody body. What's that? Someone coming downstairs. Hartley? It must be Hartley, the killer. He must have been hiding somewhere upstairs. I've got to get away outside. But how? My car won't run. That other car, the coupe, I could jump into that. Yes. If I could reach that coupe before he comes down. Anything I... wrong, sister? Too late. Anything I can do for you, sister? Uh, yes. It, it, my car, it, it won't start. I thought someone here might help me. Sorry. There doesn't seem to be anybody around. That's my coupe over there. I stopped for gas and no one came out, so I went in and looked around. Did did, did you uh, find anyone? There isn't a living soul in there. Oh. You you look kind of tired. Oh no, no, I'm I, I'm all right. My name is Taylor. Oh. John Taylor. Uh, I'm uh, Linda Dixon. Linda Dixon, huh? Glad to know you. Traveling far tonight? Well, I'm going to Carstairs. Uh, Seven Lakes Hotel. They're expecting me. Now, what do you know about that? What? Carstairs is the town I'm heading for, too. Isn't that a coincidence? (laughs) Yes, I'm sure it is. Your car won't run, huh? Tell you what, we'll put your baggage in my car and I'll give you a lift to Carstairs. We can send for your car in the morning. Oh, uh, no. I... I'll have your bag switched and it's your turn. Please, no, I, I would rather not. There we are. All switched. Now, come on. Get in here. He took my arm and helped me into the coupe. His hand was strong. His grip was hard. It hurt me. There you are. Snug as a bug in a rug. drove away into the night, leaving behind us the dead man in the service station. Well, from where we sit, it looks as if pretty Linda Dixon has gotten herself into an awful jam. And believe me, she's shaking like jelly. My goodness, that poor girl. And just think, this is supposed to be her vacation. Why, Mary, she's in the country now, isn't she? In fact, it looks to me like she's going back to the soil. Horizontally. (laughs) Oh, dear. Why do you always look on the dark side of things? Seems to me you're always pessimistic. Of course, lots of folks feel that way at times, like when they've been working too hard and they're tired. But, you know, I think there's nothing better for that let-down feeling than a good hot cup of Lipton's. The tea with the brisk flavor. That brisk flavor really perks you up. You see, that word brisk 
B-R-I-S-K is just another way of saying that Lipton tea tastes full-bodied and, and vigorous. Yes, tangy and, and spirited, never flat or wishy-washy. So try Lipton's real soon, won't you, folks? Well, now, let's go back and see how pretty little Linda Dixon is making out. All alone in the car with a strange man. But after all, she shouldn't be too scared of him. He's just a felon who needs a friend. The storm broke a few minutes after we left that service station. We drove through sheets of rain. I sat stiff and tense beside the man who called himself John Taylor. He had both hands on the wheel, and he stared out through the windshield. My eyes focused on something on his right hand. It was a stain, a small stain, but it was wet and red. I couldn't take my eyes off it. What are you looking at? What? Oh, nothing. Nothing at all. Hmm. think I'll turn on the radio. Did you know there's been a jailbreak? Is five foot ten, very dark hair. Don't be fooled by his pleasant manner. He is a killer by instinct. Killer no by instinct. With this man. He is absolutely. I looked at the man beside me. Helen Hearn is a clever and dangerous woman. Five foot three, red hair, very pretty. I caught Taylor looking at me out of the corner of his eye. What are you looking at? At your hair. It's red. There was a streak of lightning. And looking out of the rain-swept window, I glimpsed a signpost. The lightning illuminated the sign, and my heart skipped a beat at what I saw. That sign we just passed. What about it? Well, it, it uh, said Kerhawks in the head. We're going the, the wrong way. We should be on the Carstairs Road, not on the Kerhawks Road. That's funny. Must have taken the wrong turn. Well, aren't you going to turn back? Sure. Whatever you say. We'll turn right around and go back. Uh-oh. We're in the ditch. In the ditch? That's no good. She won't budge. Well, it looks like we're stuck here for the night. Scared. Oh, no. Um, I think I'd better get out and walk. Perhaps there's a house nearby. Walk in this weather? Oh, I don't mind the weather, really. I don't... You can't walk in this storm? Well, uh, nevertheless, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try. Not on your life. What do you mean? I'm staying right here till I get the car out of the ditch. You get pneumonia walking in this storm. But I'm Let's well... Let's see. Where's that flashlight? Ah, oh, here we are. Got some tools in the trunk compartment. You stay put. Stay right where you are. I heard him open the trunk in the back. I listened for further sounds. But there was nothing. I didn't hear him moving here. I didn't hear any tools. I had to find out what he was doing. Slowly... Carefully, I got my door open. I stepped out into the rain and sneaked back toward the rear. I saw him there, 
not moving in front of the open trunk compartment, bending over with a flashlight in his hand. The ray of light was focused on, on something curled up inside. It wasn't baggage or tool. It was a woman's body. Just then he saw me, he snapped the flashlight off, but not before I caught a glimpse of red hair. Then I must have fainted. When I came to, I found myself seated inside the car again. My face and hair were wet. My clothes were dripping. John Taylor was driving. His face, as he stared ahead through the night, was dark and bleak. The storm was over. Night was quiet. Oh, so you're awake again. I... I don't feel well. Is it because of what's in the trunk compartment? She's dead. I told you not to get out of the car. What are you going to do with me? What do you think? Please. Sorry, sister. Got to take your medicine. Oh, no. Do not make any trouble. I'll try to make it as easy for you as I can. They say that when a person loses all hope, subconsciously he seeks refuge in sleep. That's what must have happened to me. I must have dozed or, or perhaps I fainted. I don't know. But I awoke with a start at the sound of brakes. I sat up straight and saw that we stopped in front of a small fieldstone house. Why are we stopping here? I'm out of gas. Oh. Come on. We're going in. Sign on the door said Roger Bryce, M.D. A doctor's house. I began to feel a spark of hope. There might be a chance. I'll do the talking. Is that clear? Uh, yes. Where's the bell? Oh. Must be awake. There's a light in the parlor. How do you do? Good evening, Dr. Bryce. Yes. Can I help you? I'm terribly sorry to disturb you, Doctor, but my sister and I were heading for Carstairs, and we seem to have gotten lost. And we're out of gas. His sister? He was passing us off as brother and sister. Now I knew why he hadn't cut my throat as he had that service station man's. He was carrying me for protection. I was his passport through the police court. His sister. I'm afraid I can't be of much help to you. I'm seven miles from the nearest town. And I haven't any spare gasoline. Come in, won't you? Why, yes, thank you. We will. I wonder if I could offer you my hospitality for the night. Oh, that would be imposing. Not at all. I have two rooms that aren't being used. Oh, really? Oh, I... come. I insist. I'd hoped for a chance to talk to Dr. Bryce alone. Just a word to warn him. But Taylor never left us alone for a minute. He insisted coming into my room. To make sure, he said, that it was comfortable enough for me. Then he took the doctor by the arm and went out with him. Good night, sis. And sweet dreams. I was alone. Free of the presence of John Taylor. 
I had another lease on life. I waited, my heart pounding. Give them both a chance to retire. Then I slipped off my shoes, and in my stocking feet, I stole across the room and inched my door open. Slowly, carefully, I stepped out into the corridor and turned right toward the doctor's room. What's the matter, sister? You weren't thinking of going anywhere, were you? I wanted a drink of water. A drink of water, huh? In case you didn't know it, there's a water pitcher on your dresser. Oh, I didn't see it. Good night, sister. I turned around and went back into my room. It was no use. If I attempted to warn Dr. Bryce, Taylor would probably kill us both. I turned out the light in my room. I knew he was watching my transom. Then I lay down on the bed. How long I lay there, I don't know. Perhaps I slept, perhaps not. But I heard that slight creak as my door began to inch open. The blood chilled in my veins. Slowly the door came open. I lay fascinated, unable to move. Vaguely, I saw the outline of the hand and the knife it held. I, I wanted to scream, but I couldn't. Slowly, he came toward the bed. Now he stands over me. He raises the knife. I rolled over on the bed just as the knife flashed down. I rolled off the bed and cowered in a corner. That horrible figure came around the bed after me with a knife afraid. I strained my eyes to see there was a vague shape on the floor and another weaving around the room. Who? Which one was it? Doctor! Doctor Bryce! Is that you? No, Linda. It isn't Doctor Bryce. It's I. John Taylor. John Taylor. Standing there at the light switch. And on the floor lay Dr. Bryce unconscious. With a long gash in his head. I... I had to hit him. With a water pitcher. My eyes turned to Dr. Bryce. I saw the knife still gripped in his right hand. That's Hartley, Linda. Lee Hartley, the killer. It was he who... Came in here with a knife? Right, I... 
I was down the cellar just now. The real Dr. Bryce is down there. Dead. And this fellow posed as Bryce when we came to the house. Then... Then you, you're not Hartley. No, that rich. All the time you thought I was Lee Hartley, and I thought you were Helen Hearn. On account of your red hair. But, but the body, the, the body, the red-haired woman. Oh, that's Helen Hearn. This fellow must have killed her back at the service station and stuffed her body in my trunk compartment while I was inside. That all happened last summer. In time, I think I'll manage to forget that night of horror. But it won't be soon. Sometimes in the night I dream that I, I see that awful figure with the knife poised above my throat. And I wake up screaming. But then John takes me in his arms and holds me tight and tells me that everything's all right. You see, I'm Mrs. John Taylor now. Well, what do you know? A happy ending. As for Mr. Hartley, that pleasant killer, he got what he deserved. Yeah, some people never know when they're well off. He should have stayed in jail where they never raise your rent, where they make no charge for meals or for uh, electric current. You see, when you're in jail, everything is free, except you. <laughs> you know, Mr. Host, that's the first happy ending we've had in a long, long time. And I must say, I enjoyed it. Ah, those lovebirds shouldn't have gotten married. It's bad for business, Mary. Now, when she wakes up screaming from a nightmare, she reaches for her husband instead of a hot cup of a Lipton tea. <laughs> well, I'm glad she has a husband to comfort her. There are plenty of other occasions, Mr. Host, when Lipton's tea is welcome. And I don't mean just at mealtimes, either. Lipton's is grand between meals. And, of course, it's the perfect beverage to serve when friends and neighbors drop in to visit you. Yes, I guess that's why more people serve Lipton tea than any other brand. And now a word of caution to all amateur detectives. They say that if you give a criminal enough rope, he'll hang himself. But if you give some criminals enough rope, they might tie you up. Oh, by the way, this month's Inner Sanctum mystery novel is Puzzle for Wantons by Patrick Quentin. Yes, and next week's Inner Sanctum story, directed by Hyman Brown, and brought to you by Lipton Tea and Lipton Soup. Next week's story is about a lonely man who falls in love with a mannequin in a store window. But gee, fella wants a real girl. So he tries to make her come to life. And what do you know? He finds he has to kill her first. <laughs> Well, now it's time to close the squeaking door, so... Good night. Pleasant dreams. <laughs> Folks, these busy days, we all want to save time when we prepare meals, and yet we don't want to sacrifice that good homemade taste. Well, the answer to that is Lipton's noodle soup. You see, Lipton's takes no time to prepare, and yet it has a real fresh-cooked chickeny flavor. Yes, it tastes just like the chicken noodle soup you'd make right in your own home. Lipton's is economical, too. It costs less and makes more than canned soups. So, folks, don't forget to serve Lipton's noodle soup. And don't forget to tune in next Tuesday night for another Inner Sanctum Mystery. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.
Well, I made a mistake because I was uh, I had two Terror of the Night radio programs and I downloaded the wrong one, but I liked it. It was pretty scary. <laughs> I mean, who isn't scared of escaped killers and driving at night dark road? But I liked it. I hope you liked it too. And remember to check out our website, um, the Blog Talk Radio Girl Power Hour website, and you can get on that um, website about the old-time radio programs and listen to a lot of them. They've got all different kinds. They've got comedies. They've got dramas. They've got suspense. They've got everything, and they're a lot of fun to listen to. So old-time radio library um, is a great place to go for that. Next week on Girl Power Hour, Tasha Humphreys will be hosting um, with Elizabeth Carbon. She's going to be doing online readings, so you need to be sure and call in. Call in early so that you can get in line for an online reading. She'll be doing card readings, intuitive readings. She just kind of does it all and gives you really great information that you can actually use. It's not just information that you're just going to go, oh, okay, well, I kind of figured that, but, you know, this is, she will give you steps and things that you can actually use to improve your life. So really excited for that one. And this is my last program. Um, I'm sure I'll be on as a guest occasionally, but Tasha Humphreys is going to do a great job hosting and having wonderful guests on every month. And I look forward to seeing what she does with the program. I think it's going to be great. Well, I hope you enjoyed your Halloween special old-time radio. If you don't get a chance to listen to both of these in in their entirety, set aside a time on Halloween night. Make it nice and dark in the house and listen to these two programs. I think that my favorite was The Telltale Heart with Boris Karloff. He's fantastic. So we will, well, we won't. Tasha will be seeing you or listening to you next week um, with Elizabeth Harbin doing online readings. So be sure and tune in, and we will talk with you later. Bye-bye.